Good morning, Good Shepherd. Whether you are live at our campus in Charlotte or whether you're live stream, I'm Talbot Davis, the pastor here. And I say this whenever I stand up on Sunday morning, but it's always true. I'm so glad to be able to connect with you and and really glad that you're able to connect with this particular congregation. And this is the uh, fifth and final week of Graceland, this series. Church is open again next week. We will have a new series, tell you about that. But Graceland has been a series of five weeks where we've talked all about how God does what we can't, how God performs what we won't, how, how in, in this, our connection with God through Jesus, we don't get what we deserve, we get better than we deserve. And that's really what Graceland has been all about. And it started out with chasing grace and then insulting grace and saving grace and keeping grace. And today as we wind up the series, it's called saying grace, which as you're gonna find out is a lot more than something that happens just before you chow down on dinner and to help us move into saying grace if you have your bible with you maybe your bible looks like this or maybe it's loaded on your phone either way is fine i want to invite you to to locate the new testament book of ephesians chapter 3 and the first eight verses of that particular chapter ephesians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 8 And once you find that place, either in your Bible that looks like this or on your phone, just keep it open, put a finger there because we'll we'll be getting to it ultimately, if not immediately, in the message. And there's a couple of things that we believe about the Bible. And and, and some of you have been here a long time and you've heard this stuff before. And and others of you, you're brand new. You don't know what I'm going to say. And either way is great. But we, we really, we place a huge value on the Bible at Good Shepherd because we, we, for one thing, we know that it's not a book. And whenever somebody says, ah, it's the good book, we know, we're like, no, it's the great library. And when, when we are in the book of Ephesians, it, it's actually a letter. And it's a letter written by Paul, who was a pastor and a missionary and an author to the church in the ancient Turkish city of Ephesus. And the people who lived there were called Ephesians. All that means that Ephesians is in the correspondence section of the biblical library. And that fact is something that, that a lot of people do know, maybe more people don't know. We just repeat it. But the other treasured opinion, treasured conviction that we have that we talk about here, and you may not believe what I'm going to say, and that's okay. We're really glad you're here. But in leadership, and we like to be clear, in leadership, we believe there is no other library like this one that God breathed his life into its words. He put his truth onto its pages. The Bible really is inspired, eternal, and true. And out of that conviction, we do something a little bit unusual when we talk about the Bible. Here we lift it up. And again, if you've never tuned in or you've never been here and there's phones in the air and Bibles that look like mine, you know, from ancient times in the air, and, and you're just like, this is unusual. And we used to try to pretend like it wasn't unusual. Nah, it's normal. No. Then we realized, let's just admit it. This is a little bit odd. But we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. We are a collection of people who do not have life figured out, but we know who does. Because we know he does. We're glad to surrender to the authority of the word. Amen. And so before I say any other words, let's pray because something else we believe in here is that uh, prayer connects us deeply to God and we would be uh, 
really disobedient to try something like this without praying. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're good. Thank you, you inspired the scriptures. And I pray, God, that you would fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head with everything that's good and right and powerful and true about you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was a a couple of generations ago, I guess, and a pastor goes to one of these little greasy spoon diners for breakfast. And the, the kind of place where they don't put the number of calories on the menu, okay? And, and so the server, who's kind of harried and frazzled, and she asks him, well, what would you like for breakfast? And, and, and he says, uh, ham and eggs and a few kind words, please. And so about 12 minutes later, this frazzled, sort of harried server comes back and she puts the plate in front of him with the ham and eggs, and then she begins to scurry off to her next table, and the pastor stops her, and he says, well, ma'am, what about the few kind words? She ponders for a minute and thinks and turns and and says, I wouldn't eat those eggs if I were you. (laughs) So we are talking about saying when we don't know if that pastor said grace before he had those dangerous eggs or not but we we're talking about saying grace today as we wind up the grace land series how how can your words and and how can my words sort of be seasoned with love and and fueled by wit surrounded by truth And how can they be the kind of words that those people in our lives, the kind of words that not just that they want to hear, because anybody can do that, but the kind of words that they actually need to hear. And really for the purposes of today, what's the, the overlap, the connection between the grace, remembering grace is when God gives you better than you deserve. What is the, what's the overlap between the grace that God gives and the words that we utter and, and the people we utter those words to? Because I don't know if you know this or not. Some of you probably know it more acutely than others. Others, others of you are experiencing it quite vividly. But the world that surrounds us, the, the culture that we are part of is, is filled It's filled with lies on the one hand, half-truths on the other hand, deception on the other. I know that gives us three hands, but what can you do? It's it's just the, the stuff that surrounds us and maybe more to the point of all these lies that that kind of surround us. Some of the people you love the most, and I'm talking about the people you raised. I'm talking about the people that raised you. For some of you, it's the person to whom you are married or it's your brothers and your sisters. People you love so much, they are vulnerable to these lies. They have bought into the lies that I'm talking about and the lies they bought into are the lies that are killing them. And some of these lies that that surround us, they they go from the the global, including the idea that, well, Jesus He's just like any other great religious figure in human history. I don't understand the big deal. They go from the global to the deeply personal, like when that adolescent in your life decides to derive their identity, their understanding of themselves from all the wisdom they can find on TikTok. 
and you can see how it's hollowing them out. And it goes from from the global to the personal to the really painful, like when that person whom you love, they just throw their hands up and they say, I'm giving up. I will never stop drinking and I will never amount to anything. I'm drunk now. I was drunk yesterday and I will be drunk tomorrow and there's nothing I can do about it anymore. Then it goes to the really where those consequences are eternal as you have those people in your life who have said in so many words and maybe these precise words, you know, I've been to school, I've heard the arguments and my professors are really smart and I just, I don't believe in Jesus anymore and if it comes right down to it, I don't think I ever really did. And so in the face of, uh, uh, of that kind of thinking, On the part of people you love so much, people you work with, people in your family, people who surround you, it is so tempting for you and for me. We're we're, we're just like, if you've said yes to Jesus, and I don't know who that is among you, I hope it's a lot of you. and, And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, man, today would be a great day to do that. But when you're faced with that and and you've said yes to Jesus and you hear all this opposition to Jesus, it's very tempting just to throw up your hands and you're like, I got nothing. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. There's no impact that I can make. I'm glad I have my relationship with Jesus. It is a living one, but the rest of the world is in really deep trouble. So what do you do? And what again, what, what again is the overlap between the, the grace that God pours out and the words that we can utter? And, and I don't know about you, but in my case, it is so helpful for me to realize, because here, here's what most of us do. We think it's never been as bad as it is right now. And when we say things like that, we only say that because we're victims of what I would call chronological snobbery where we think things have never been as vivid or as bad or as dire or no one has ever been as smart as we are right now. And the reality is things have always been lined up against what's true. The world has always been filled with lies, half-truths and deceptions. And in the case of Paul, pastor, missionary, author, 20 or 30 years after Jesus died and rose again, and is dealing with the church in the ancient Turkish city of Ephesus. The people who lived there were called Ephesians. He knew that the people in that church, they were battling all kinds of lies. And the lies that surrounded them and the culture had begun to infect the church. And so when he writes the letter to the Ephesian church, he knows he needs to address them. And and some of the lies that the Ephesians dealt with was... Uh, a, a lot of them had come out of a life where they worshiped idols, where they bowed down before statues. And this seems weird to us, but that's only because we didn't live in that world. But they, they found it very hard to give up their statues. And even more to the point, some of them individually and all of them knew people who made their living by making statues, little, little idol statues. And one of the most interesting things, I love the way the Bible works together as a library, is that in the book of Acts, which is kind of the history book of the, in the New Testament, there's this riot in Ephesus, the same city that Paul writes to the Ephesian church. And the riot is because all the idol makers who've been making their living, making these little statues, 
their business runs dry because the whole city's turning to Jesus. And so they start a riot. And how dare you take away our idol making business? Let's start a riot. And so that's the kind of culture that Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian church in. So that's, that's one lie that people were, were in danger of belief. Another is that there were people in the Ephesian church who were, they were not Jewish, but there were people in the church who were Jewish. And some of the not Jew, what, what we would call Gentiles, they were like, we are never gonna measure up to the, to the Jews who are in the church. They, they are so far beyond us. They are so more elite, so much more elite than us. Some of the others in that Ephesian church said, not only will we not measure up to the Jews in our church, we don't even want to, we don't like them. All, all these lies Paul has to address. And maybe, maybe the most painful kind of lie that he had to address is, is, is that, that kind of lie where, where people just arrive at a, a, a place in life, a place of kind of despair and lethargy when they, when they get to that place where life gets easier when you stop dreaming that it could be any different. And some of them had just settled. Maybe I wouldn't be so discontent if I just gave up dreaming that life could be any different. So those are the lies all infecting the Ephesian church. And I suspect those are some of the lies that are infecting even the Good Shepherd Church. Those might be the lies that you hear. And for some of you, those are even the lies you believe. And so into that kind of culture and that kind of church, Paul has to talk to them. He has to talk them off the ledge. And he has to talk them into beauty. And in what we have as, as Ephesians chapter three, Paul really takes his understanding of grace and his explanation of what grace is and what does. He takes it to a whole nother level. He's been talking about grace kind of throughout this letter. And what he does here, you need to know this. We are conditioned, we're condi conditioned to think of grace as something that God says about you. Remember, grace is when God gives you better than you deserve. Grace is something God says about you that you deserve to go to hell after you die, but because of grace, you're going to heaven. And Paul's like, no, 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 that's part of it. That's not untrue, but grace is not just something that God says about you. Grace is someone who flows through you. Grace isn't static. Grace is dynamic. So many of you have settled for, for, for grace as being this announcement about you and, and when actually it's this authorization for you to have an impact. Look, look, look at what he says. Chapter three and verse two says this. Surely, he says to the Ephesian church, you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me. So God's grace was given to me. And then he says, so that I would go to heaven after I die. Is that what he says? No, the, the admission, uh, administration of God's grace was given to me for you. So what the, the grace that I was given was not for me to hoard. It was for me to share. In fact, grace only became grace when I gave it away to other people. Then he goes on verses three through six. That is... The mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit 
to God's holy apostles and prophet. In, in other words, there's something that's been true about God all along. It's just, it wasn't revealed until now through the ministry of Paul. And what is that thing? Verse six, this mystery is that through the gospel, Jesus's life, Jesus's death, Jesus's resurrection, and Jesus's return, that's the gospel. Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So what, what, what he has to say to, to the Gentiles there in, in Ephesus, you're not less than the Jews, that's a lie. You're just later than they are. But even though you're later than they are, you are one body with them. To us, this seems like, duh, everybody knows this. This is just common sense. In that world, the only reason we're like, duh, is because we say words like duh now. And because there's been 2,000 years of church history. In this world, this was absolutely revolutionary. And then Paul goes on in verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, return, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So uh, God, God gave me grace. He gave me a salvation I did not deserve, but only by grace to propel me into a ministry I cannot refuse. More grace. Then he goes on. Verse eight, here's, here's what it all builds up to. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me, colon, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. Why was he given grace? To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Ah, grace was given to Paul so that the words that he would say, say in grace, the words that he would say to the Gentiles would have so much more impact and so much more influence and be seasoned with so much more truth and so much more love than they ever would have been on their own power. And I love Paul's self-awareness here. I love his accurate assessment of his own abilities. On my own, on my own, I am the, le the less than the least of all the Lord's people. But by God's grace, he is able to use my words so that not only do I have this salvation I, can't, I do not deserve, I have this ministry I cannot refuse. And here's where it all leads us, good shepherd. Here's the really good news for every one of you who has had your heart broken by someone in your family who's accepted all kind of lies about themselves. Here's what it is. You're given grace to give truth. That God pours out his grace on you, remembering grace is not just something said about you, it's someone moving through you. And so when God pours out his grace, when you ask for more of that grace so that the words that will come out of your mouth will do serious battle against the lies that are killing the people you love, you're given grace so that the words that come out of your mouth will not be weak and powerless and nonsensical, but that they will speak with truth and with power and with beauty. You're given grace to give truth. See, See, here's, 
here's what it's like. Usually we think of grace as, as kind of like a bucket. And you, you get a bucket and you pour water. Um, my original plan was actually to pour water into this bucket here on this platform. But there's so many things that can go wrong. So you, you, you pour water into a bucket. And when you pour that water into a bucket, you know, you, you can luxuriate and celebrate. Look at me and my water. And we understand that, that grace is, that, is the water that's in the bucket. And the, and, the, and the grace washes us pure as snow, as the song says. And, and, but what do, what do buckets do? They, they collect. I got me and my bucket. I got me and my grace. And that's what buckets do. They, they doesn't go anywhere. It just, I got my stuff. I got my grace. God, Man, I I was destined for hell. I'm going to heaven. That's why that song is not average grace, is it? It is amazing grace. And we're like, this got me. But that's not what what it is at all. Don't don't waste your life. Don't waste your words thinking that grace is just a bucket. Because actually what grace is, is is a pipe. And a pipe transports that that water from one location to another. Every single one of you who this morning, you turned on the tap to brush your teeth, and I so hope you did before you came to church. You turned on, turned on the tap to brush your teeth. The reason that water came out of that tap is because it was flowing through a pipe from one destination to another. And that's, yeah, okay, I got some authority now. That, that is, that's what grace is. It carries truth. It carries God's, what Paul calls the boundless riches of Christ from one locale, heaven, to another locale, the ears of the people in your life who have bought into the very lies that are killing them. You're given grace to give truth. It was like the woman who was, she was literally part of our church for about six months. She moved here, stayed six months, moved. We didn't make her move away, she, but she was here and moved away. And, but during the time she was here, she was in a class that I was teaching. And, and she said to our group one time, was describing some very informal counseling she did to young women. And, and she said to our group, you know, sometimes when I'm doing that informal counseling, words came, come out of my mouth that never stopped by my brain first. And that's how I know it's God. And, and that's what it's like. That her words had power. Her words were compelling because they were words of grace. You're given grace to give truth. Yeah, salvation you don't deserve. It propels a ministry you can't refuse. And I guess all week long as I've been thinking about this message, I've just wanted to to be able to empower an army at Good Shepherd, an army of people who speak grace, an army of people who stop throwing up their hands. There's nothing I can do. My heart's breaking from the people I love the most, but there's nothing I can do. And instead become those kind of people who stop throwing up their hands in desperation and start lifting a hand in praise and calling on the grace that God will give them to speak the words that need to be spoken in the most loving, compelling ways possible. I love the woman in our church who didn't move here and move away. The woman in our church has this marvelous knack of of giving the, the deepest rebukes with the sweetest smile. 
You know, some of the most pleasant corrections I've ever had in my life. And that's how you know it's grace. You're given grace to give truth. Because some of you here, you've been thinking about those people ever since the very beginning of this message. You've been thinking about those people who are being killed by the very lies they've bought. And some of you have that person in your life who has figured that life stops hurting so much when you give up dreaming it could be any different. And you, not somebody else, you. You have those words from Romans 8, 28 that you can share, that you can say to them, ah, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And those words of grace and truth can come out of your mouth into that desperate heart. And others of you, you you have that person in your life who's lost someone, they've lost a mate, they've lost a parent, they've lost a child. And somewhere along the way, someone told them that the people who deal with grief the best are the ones who don't say anything, the ones who hold it all in. And you, you're able to correct that lie, even with the words straight out of Jesus's mouth, blessed are those who mourn. Why? For they shall be comforted. You can do that. And you You might even have that adolescent child, that adolescent grandchild who because of all the wisdom of TikTok has begun to think that biology is bigotry and they've come to doubt their very understanding of their own selves and their own body. And you, you, you can say with Genesis chapter one that male and female, he created them. And it was not only good when he created those genders, it was very good. When you have that person in your life who who doesn't think they'll ever get sober, they'll ever amount to anything, and what's the point anyway? You, You have that treasure of Psalm 139, and you can say, did you know you? You are fearfully and wonderfully made you. Or you might have that person in your life who just think they're never gonna get sober. They they will never, never, never get sober, and you? You have that privilege of being able to say, you know, sobriety doesn't come in one giant leap, but it comes in 12 small steps. That's why I love the the social media post just this week of somebody who turned 52. And on his 52nd birthday, he, he posted, I have now been sober for more in my life than I was ever a drunk. 26 years sobriety. What a, what a celebration. What a realization. Not one great leap, 12 small steps. And you, you have that person in your life and they're too smart. They're too edumacated. They don't believe Jesus is any different than any other great religious leader in world history. And you, because of the grace that God gives you, you can give the same answer that a 17-year-old by God's grace gave to me when I thought I was too smart to believe in Jesus. And the words came out of his mouth. He was given grace to give truth that out of all the great religious leaders in human history, Jesus is the only one who claimed to be God and then proved it by rising from the dead. 
simple answer, soul-saving truth, and you, by God's grace, you can be his partner in redeeming planet Earth in exactly the same way. Don't throw up your hands and give up. Lift a hand and praise because you're given grace to give truth. Let's pray. So God, thank you that grace isn't static. Grace is being poured out even in this gathering, even through these words, even through this music. Grace is being poured out on the people of Good Shepherd. Give them the, the loving confidence and the holy boldness to speak genuine, eternal truth. Pour that grace out even now in a way that honors Jesus, who is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, risen from the dead, and there is no other. For in his name we pray. Amen.